Hey everyone, welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. The Leafs' second half of the season has officially began, and it began last night with a big 5-2 win over Nashville. Uh, I will be going solo once again for this one as we discuss the game. I'll go over the good, the better, the best, and uh, my overall thoughts on it. And then uh, a little bit later on, I'm also going to do a bit of a deeper dive into the division and see kind of where the Leafs stack up as they enter the unofficial second half of the season because it's a little different than it looked in the past. Now you look and the Toronto Maple Leafs not in a divisional spot, not even in a wild card spot. So we'll talk about the teams that they'll be battling towards the end of the season down the stretch here. Uh, But first, let's chat about yesterday's game against the Predators. You know, I I really liked the game for the most part. I thought that they were a little dry off the get-go, but settled into a nice little rhythm midway through the first. Um, I thought they had a, an exceptional second period, to be quite honest with you. They ended up outscoring them 2 two nothing in the second period, and then kind of the last seven or eight minutes, they kind of fell apart, and luckily Freddie was kind of there to bail them out, and he stood on his head for the last back half of that third period, I would say. Um, there's a lot to keep an eye on, though, on that game going into it. Muzzin... He returned, so I was kind of keeping an eye to see how he was playing. Austin Matthews with that wrist injury, and I'm doing the air quotes as I'm sure it is an injury, but I don't know if it was that serious. But he played last night, and he played pretty well. Um you know, I was kind of curious to see what was going to happen with Rasmus Sandin, whether or not he was going to continue his strong play after the break, and most importantly, hoping that Freddie had a good night because, you know, going into it, he he's had a bad month, and I thought that ending it on a good note, returning to, to Vesna form, if you will, uh, I thought was, was going to be key for him to do, and for the most part, I felt like the team kind of checked all the boxes, so... Uh, I thought that that was that was good to see, and it was a good win and a good response after a very, very, very poor outing in Chicago um, last weekend uh, as they went into the into the bye week and into the All Star break. Um, but I'll get right to the good, better, best right away, and we'll we'll chat about it. So let's start with what I thought was good about tonight, and and I Freddie Anderson I got to put there as my good. He made. 34 stops on the night. I thought that he was exceptional late in the third period when the Predators kind of finally woke up and pressed. They, they really, really poured it on there in the last five minutes, uh, five to, to, to eight minutes or so of, of that third period or of the game. Um, I did get weary in the second period in this one when Freddie the Goat kind of ran into him, and he kind of was slow to, to get up on his feet. Luckily, he was good to go and was able to continue the game. But I thought Freddie, for the most part, uh, that that first goal was a little bit weak, and I was like, ah, it kind of scared me a bit. I'm not gonna lie, especially considering how he had played for you know earlier in the month and before the break. So that first goal was like, uh oh. But then he he settled in, and and I thought they did a, a really good game, and that's something that the Leafs need down the stretch. You know, Freddie Anderson needs to be their MVP going forward if they are going to make it to the playoffs. Right now, the two points out, two points out of a playoff spot. And if they want to get there, it's it's going to be pretty well up to Freddie Anderson and how he plays down the stretch. I think this offense is is good for, for three, four, maybe five goals a night. If Freddie can just kind of uh, clamp down and make sure that doesn't 
happen, and the opposition is is down to, to one, two, at the most three goals a night, I think the Leafs should be in pretty good company, and the Leafs should be able to, to rattle off enough wins to get themselves into the dance uh, better. William Nylander, I really liked his game. I thought that he was kind of buzzing all over the ice. Uh, he scored in his fourth straight game. He's had a new career high in goals tonight as well, uh, his 23rd of the season. A really nice finish on the breakaway for the, the goal, too. Um, but the setup was was even better, and then that'll I'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, finishing the night with four shots uh, and a 1.23 expected goals for. I thought Willie Willie's a player who too. I, and it's funny because earlier today in practice, somebody said, "Oh, you, you hope to keep the hot start going into the into the second half of the season, you know, the hot streak." And he said, "Well, I don't, I don't think this is a hot streak. I think I just, you know, I know how to score now. This is." This is the norm for me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and I'm going to score as often as I can. And and that's really good for Nylander. You know, he's playing with so much confidence right now. And with a kid who has that much skill, if he just has that confidence to go out there and perform at the level that he thinks he can and that he knows he can, this is the Nylander that we're going to have going down the stretch. That's only bodes well for the Maple Leafs. Uh, so he was my better. But for the best, man, you got to go Rasmus Sandin, right? I don't think there's anybody else who I could have given it to, deserved it more. Uh, Sandin scored his first goal of his NHL career tonight. It ended up becoming the game winner at that. Um, I thought that he was really good. The dude's just so poised. Like, he's he's 10 games into his NHL career, which tonight was the 10th game. So it technically burns the first year of his contract, which makes me believe that Sandin is here to stay. If that's the case, he's he is here to stay. I think that he has solidified himself in these 10 games this year. I know most of it, the first half of it came in the first half of the season, but these last little, these last few games since he got back from the all star back from uh, the world juniors, he's been outstanding. So I just, he looks as poised as, as a 10 year vet. And, you know, you look at the Nylander goal that I just referred to, it was, it was a heads up play. Right, a heads-up play. Saw him going. Saw that he could split the D, and he just kind of heaved it up uh, into into the zone. And Nylander skated right onto it, and ended up creating some separation. Had a really nice breakaway and scored. Then even take a look at Sandine's goal himself. That was him, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on the puck, knowing how the play was going to turn out. And that's just that's high hockey, high Q. And he put himself in a position, started to creep into the net, and saw the rebound come out, and he just pounced on it and put it into the back of the net. Bing, bang, boom, here we sit, and that counts as the game winner. So um, I I thought that Sandine is a guy who's just gaining confidence as the games progress, and uh, he's just so calm, cool, and collected out there in the blue line. Um, he's he's really been a good find. I think uh, tomorrow's episode we might discuss where, if we were doing a 2018 redraft, where he would kind of end up being drafted, because I did see on Twitter that that conversation has started to kind of uh, has taken on a mind of its own. Some people think that that he may be a potential top three pick. Some people think top five. Some people think that they're crazy. And uh, Sandine, although it's a good 10-game sample size, not quite ready to crown him as uh, as as an elite defenseman quite yet. I'm going to get into that a little bit in tomorrow's episode, so be sure to get there for that. But tonight, Rasmus Sandine, he was the first star. He got the game ball. Um, and I hope that he keeps playing like this going forward because it's really encouraging to see 
the Leafs, who need defensemen badly, do have a young stud that they'll have for, for a long time. They'll be able to control and control cheaply going forward. All right, uh, coming up next, we will get into some more observations from the win. And then, once again, I'll be chatting about the division outlook down the stretch and into the second half of the season. That will all be coming up after this. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with you once again. Uh, just a few more observations that I had about the win. Um, I thought Jake Muzzin, it was his first game back since his foot injury. I thought he played really well, actually. He played a lot more than I thought. He did have that rehab stint over the weekend uh, with the Toronto Marlies, where I guess he played 27 minutes. His first game in a month, and they put him out there for 27 minutes. So uh, that's that's not quite as much as tonight's 22 minutes that he was out there on the ice. But it was a it was kind of more than I thought. Usually, when you have a player who gets injured, um, and he, and he's you know kind of out for for extended time, like Jake Muzzin was. Sometimes it takes them a little bit to just kind of get filtered back into the into the swing of things and back into the lineup and into their full-time role. Nope, they need Muzzin, and they really needed him, so they got him out there for 22 minutes last night, um, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, led the entire team in ice time, and yes, yes it did. So he led the entire team 22 minutes, 38 seconds. Um, he was physical, you know, threw his weight around, uh, ended up with four hits on the night, which... I think you need when you play teams out west, especially. But that's that's what Muzzin brings. You know, he is that defensive defenseman. You know, he 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 knows what to do when he's in the offensive end as well. Don't get me wrong, but first and foremost, his bread and butter is he can really solidify a back end because he just knows you know how how to play the position really, which is something that I'm. I'm not too sure guys like Cody Cece or Tyson Berry know how to do quite well. To be quite honest with you, uh, but I thought Muzzin. He played well. He should be a big boost for this team going forward who really struggled down down the stretch and, and heading into the break. So getting him back is huge. I think once Riley gets back and, and he'll be healthy, that'll be really big going into the playoffs. So, you know, things things are uh, – they looked bleak a little bit heading into the break only because of that terrible outing against Chicago. But as we start to get healthier, I think the team uh, – they should pick it back up here as as the trade deadline nears and end into the second half of the season. A couple other players I kind of want to discuss shortly. Uh, I thought Pierre Engvall looked good again. Uh, he had a few really good chances on the breakaway too. Got stoned by Pekka Rene. Um, Pekka didn't look good at all in the game, to be honest. But he looked really good on both of Engvall's breakaways. He had uh, two in the in the. Second period, yeah, both in the second period were nearly scored, and then a couple minutes later he was in all load again and got stoned by the netminder. Uh, but here's what I like about Engvall. I think that um, if he can develop a shot and, or, or work on his hands in tight, if he's going to get those type of of breaks and, and breakaways, he could be a dangerous player. You know, with the size and speed that he has, if he could work on his skill a little bit, maybe, you know, talk to Austin Matthews, talk to Willie Nylander, talk to Mitch Marner, you know, try and, and go to some some camps over the summer and and work on the parts of the games that, that you lack a little bit. Obviously, I'm not expecting Pierre Engvall to turn into a sniper and, and turn into a talent like Marner and Matthews and Nylander, but if you could pick their brains a little bit, you know, this is a player who I think kind of has come out of the woodworks, 
And if he could just keep adding a little bit to his game, just add a little bit more offense to it, man, this is a fine for the Leafs. Uh, we got to see him at center last night, too, for the first time. I, I believe it's the first time. I think he did it with the Marlies a little bit, but I think it's the first time uh, with the Leafs we saw him at center. Um, just take a look at the faceoff numbers. That kind of needs to improve if that's going to be something we see going forward. Um, just 4 for 12 in the dot, so... Not very good uh, in the faceoff circle, just 33% success rate. And, you know, it's a possession game. you got to win faceoffs and, and get the puck back for your team. So if that's going to be happening going forward, that's another thing that maybe I would like Engvall to work on a little bit is his faceoffs. Uh, Jason Spezza, old man Spezzi, thought he had a really nice game himself. Kind of had limited ice time, just over 12 minutes, but he did score a goal. And there was one shift that he had where I think he was more so overlapping the shift uh, where he played with Marner and Matthews. The dude looked like he had the puck on a string. The, 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 just what him and Matthews were doing on that shift, the way that they were passing the puck back and forth, nobody could get the puck off them. And they ended up with a, a really good opportunity from it too. Um, that's something that I think I wouldn't mind exploring. If we do kind of shake up the lines one more time and they kind of decide to to bring somebody, put somebody else with, you know, if, if they want to bring Hyman, put him back with Tavares, maybe try Spezza up on the top line. You know, I don't know if he's capable of playing that those types of minutes anymore because he is, what, 38 years old. But, man, he just, for some reason, I really liked the one shift that they had together. And it might, maybe it's something that they explore at, at some point uh, later on. Or maybe even Spezza moves up to the power play where they can just kind of work their magic um, with having an extra man on the ice, one less guy on the defensive side. But I thought Spets had a pretty good game himself. Um, all right, so let's put that. This game kind of put a bow on it. Uh, it was a good win overall, um, a good way for the Leafs to start the second half. They do have a game, and a, well, it's going to be tomorrow, actually, by the time you guys listen to this. Uh, tomorrow uh, against the Dallas Stars. So uh, tomorrow, be sure to check back, and, and we'll preview that game. But coming up in segment three, I do want to discuss the Atlantic Division and what's going on there. So be sure to uh, stick around for that conversation, and that's coming up next. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you still. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a look at the Atlantic Division. We're just going to take a look at what's going on in the standings right now because it's changed uh, a lot over the last month or so. Uh, so Boston's still at number one. Tampa's bolted themselves up to number two. They finally are getting it going, 7-2-1 in their last 10. Florida riding a six-game winning streak into the bye week, and they end up at third place, leapfrogging the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now we, the Maple Leafs, are sitting with 50 games played on the season, fourth place in the division with 59 points, two points back of Florida. And we are sitting, which I believe also means we're two points back of a wild card spot as well. With both wild cards going to the Metro Division. Columbus and Carolina, Carolina with 61 points with that last spot. So uh, the the they got a lot of work to do. They got three games against Florida, three games against Tampa. Those are going to be big, especially those Florida games. Um, I think Tampa, they might be just kind of too, too skilled in the way that they're playing right now. They might be 
kind of solidified as one of the top two teams in that division. I think I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Boston wins it. I think that Tampa will give them a little bit of a run for their money. I mean, as we sit here right now, Tampa's uh, just they're Tampa seven points back, but they got two games in hand. So if they can win both those games. Now you sit there and like, okay, we're only three points back of Boston, and we got a couple of games against Boston. So it's 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 very conceivable that the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are killing it lately, um, can overcome and and beat the Boston Bruins in this Atlantic Division race down the stretch. I don't think Florida's quite there. I don't think Toronto's quite there. So I think it's really between those two for the crown, and then it's going to be Florida and Toronto for that third spot. Um, but man, like the Panthers. They're kind of a scary team, kind of a scary team. They start off slowly, but they seem to really be gaining some steam. Um, I, I mean, I like that. I think the Panthers are a fantastic hockey team. Jonathan Huberto is having a great year. Um, Barkov, obviously, one of the more underrated players. But I think a, a really big reason for why they're starting to pick it up now is because Bobrovsky is finally getting it going. You know, he he won the last—he's— hasn't lost in a few games now. Um, Bobrovsky's, I think, a big reason for why this team got off to a slow start and is doing really well right now. Bobrovsky is kind of going to be the ride or die for this team, much like Freddie Anderson is for the Leafs. So at the end of the day, I think that that third and final spot is going to go down, come down to goaltending because both teams, Florida and Toronto, have really good forwards. Both teams have a pretty good goaltender, and it just depends on who is going to at the end of the day, be more consistent and, and get it going. Um, so that's that's going to be interesting. I, I think at the beginning of the year, I do believe, unfortunately, believe it or not, I do believe I had Florida actually winning a division spot and the Leafs kind of falling out into a wild card spot. It still could happen. It still could finish that way. Um, but it's going to be pretty much a race between those two teams and those three games that they have against each other. They're going to be really, really, really important. Um, All right, a little bit down further. I think there's really only two more teams who you could even, you know, it's tough to say. They're 10 points out, and that's both Buffalo and Montreal. Um, I think Buffalo might stand a bit more of a chance because he's got two games in hand. Uh, You know, like, they're both sitting there with 51 points. Here's the thing with Buffalo, too. They just don't have the goaltending. They don't have it. Olmark hasn't really been that good. I think Carter Hutton got off to a really good start the first few weeks of the season. Then he's just been a, a dud. I've I've heard out of there that they're they're seriously thinking about going to the minor league ranks and uh, seeing if they can get either one of Uka Bekalukanen or I think they have uh, a Jonas Johansson. Uh, a Swedish netminder prospect, about 24 years old, who's really come on in Rochester. They're kind of thinking about giving him a look. Uh, so, so we'll see what ends up happening there. But I think they're pretty much out of it, both Buffalo and Montreal. Um, the, the Habs, though, the, the, it's uh, they seem more out of it than maybe I'm leading on. But like 10 points at this point is really going to be difficult to overcome. But they've been 
actually pretty solid since the arrival of Kovalchuk. Um, I think that he's really injected a little bit of, of faith and some offense into this team. It seems like Carey Price even over the last month or so has has played a little bit better, and they're, they're going to need that, and they're finally getting healthy. I know uh, Jonathan Druin is back skating with the team. Brendan Gallagher, I'm pretty sure, got cleared. He'll be in the lineup for tomorrow's game. So if they can go on a huge heater, they, they absolute heater is what they'll need. You know, maybe they can stick around in the conversation, but I don't see that happening. Like, it's they might as well just kind of fold it up. Um, I know that they said that they were going to discuss over the bye week what they were going to do in terms of trade deadline plans. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up kind of moving some pieces out. One of those being Kovalchuk, whom they signed to a, a league minimum contract. It was a two-way deal, technically. And I think now, just the way that he's played, I, I would have to assume that there's going to be some teams out there who wouldn't mind having his offense at such a cheap rate. Maybe even Toronto. Like, I seriously think that the Leafs could be interested in a player like Kovalchuk. I don't know if it'll happen. You know, the the Habs and, and Leafs don't really make deals all that often. Um, I think there was the Pukanich deal, and that didn't really turn out that great anyways for for uh, for the Leafs. So I don't know if that's that'll happen. But, yeah, it'll be curious to see what happens there. And then Ottawa and Detroit. Completely out of it. Completely out of it. Detroit, 28 points through 51 games. Oi, I feel so bad for this team. They may end up actually being worse than, was it Colorado a few years ago that had like the worst team or the worst season ever, and then they they traded Matt Duchesne, and and, uh, I think Patrick Waugh quit that earlier that season and then Bednar came in and they were just awful and he stuck it out and they actually stuck it out with Bednar and now they're one of the best teams in the league kind of funny how that works don't expect to see that at Detroit because you know they don't have a Nathan McKinnon or a Kale McCarr or a Landis Cog but what Detroit will get hopefully at the end of the season is a pretty good draft pick and potentially a chance to draft Alexis Lafreniere, which would be outstanding because I think he's a fantastic talent. Um, Ottawa, too, they're going to have a couple of chances at getting really good draft picks. So I think for both those teams, it's not really going to be about winning because neither of them are doing much of it. Combined, the last 20 games for both of them, they have three wins combined. Three in 20 games. Like, they're absolutely awful. Um, actually, Ottawa, I believe, is winning currently over Buffalo right now. Um, and that game's kind of just, just almost getting, uh, almost finishing up. But, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting, interesting end of, you know, the final 30 games for the Atlantic Division for the most part. 30, 32, I guess, for, for Toronto. But between 30 and 33 games to go for, for most of these teams. Um yeah, it's going to be a really exciting race. Like I said, I think it's Boston-Tampa for the division crown. Then I think it's Florida and Toronto for that final Atlantic division spot. And then uh, Buffalo and Montreal, they're outside looking in, but they'll probably still try and, and do something the last uh, maybe two or three weeks. And if they can kind of make up some ground and, and cut it to, to maybe like a six or a seven points uh, out of a playoff spot. Maybe they try and go for it at the deadline and add a piece or two, uh, but I don't expect that to happen. I expect 
more so Montreal to kind of dismantle things and, and move off of, of some guys that they have, namely Kovalchuk. Um, and Buffalo, pff, who knows what happens with them. <laughs> I did see a piece, however, the last time that the Sabres made the playoffs, they had the exact same record at this point uh, of the season, 51 points through 49 games, um, and they ended up kind of going on a big run the second half of the year and making the playoffs. That being said, I don't see that happening this year, uh, just because, you know, not because I don't believe in Buffalo, but I think Toronto, Florida, Tampa, and Boston are just better teams, and, and it's going to be tough to leapfrog them. And then that's not even including the guys in the Metro that you'll have to get through to uh, to get yourself a potential wild card spot. All right, I think going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You could subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive a daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. All right, be sure to check back in here tomorrow. We'll be previewing the game between the Leafs and the Dallas Stars and also discussing a 2018 redraft and where Rasmus Sandin will fall. You'll definitely want to check back for that tomorrow. But till then, and keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.